you're visiting, my name's Scott. I'm so excited to be here. Sometimes my wife tells me, now don't get too excited. She's not here today. (laughs) She's at Disneyland with 400 high school students. Yeah. Yeah. She is. Some of them are, some parents are here. Awesome. And Magic Mountain and Medieval Nights where you get to eat with your hands. Let's bring that back. If you're visiting this morning, this morning is like, is like a family appreciation message. So if you're visiting today, today's message is like family. It's like, I'm going to be talking about stuff that families talk about. And, and it's like a Thanksgiving meal. And the only thing we want you to do is just kind of enjoy getting to know our family a little bit. Okay? This morning, we're going to talk about hope. We're going to continue talking about hope. And hope, you'd you'd be surprised how critical hope is. Sometimes you think it's just some abstract idea. Maybe you've heard this great quote from that great 1980s Oscar-winning film, Chariots of Fire. How many remember that day? Yes, right. And in that film, the actor playing Eric Lytle said this. He quoted that prophet When he was preaching from that Presbyterian church, he said, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Hope in the Lord is not just abstract, it's strength giving. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Faith is confidence in the future. Faith is this confidence in the future. Excuse me. Hope is this confidence in the future. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. Hope is the confidence of what's going to happen in the future. Hope is this this ability to think things are going to change in my job. Things are going to get better. Hope is this confidence that my family life's going to get better. Hope is this confidence that my car's going to start. Hope's this confidence that I can take better care of my body. Right? Hope's this, this belief. And hope, hope, if you read some of our American history books, you will discover that hope really is what gets people through hard times. Remember that great Senator John McCain quote from from Vietnam prison camp. He said, we may not get out by Christmas, but we are getting out. That's hope. After five years of service in camp. Hope, hope, I want to argue today, hope is enough. If you have hope, you have enough. Just hope. But I don't know if you're like me, but do you ever, do you ever find yourself feeling like you want more? Like I don't have enough? You don't struggle with that? Here's, do, you ever find, do you ever find yourself like, I, I'd like a little more, right? And I think, I think this is a real critical issue because if we don't find contentment with what we have, 
if we become kind of stingy and always wanting more, you're going to find your long-term well-being really being uh, strained. In fact, if you read those international Gallup polls on the happiest people on the planet, you'll find they're from Ecuador. And we have a fr- I have a friend, uh, his name's Pablo, he lives in the Thomas Park, he's from Ecuador, and I asked him, hey, Pablo, I just read a fact about your people, you're super happy, how come? And he told me, he said, we have nothing except each other. Like, really? That's pretty cool. And so this ability to, to, to believe that we have enough, I think is really challenging, especially if you consider this. We're living in the wealthiest time of the planet. We're also the wealthiest people in the history of the world. We live two hours from the, from the most wealth-producing think tank on the planet, Silicon Valley. And so the idea of being content with enough is, is really a battleground for our hearts. There's a battle going on. Do we have enough? So I need some honest confessions from the guys that are here, the men that are here. I just need you to stand by this man, Pastor Scott, today. How many of you guys would be honest and just confess? You look at Pinterest. (laughs) Raise it high. Be bold. Be bold. It's okay. Raise it high. Scott, look at that. Pinterest. Fellas, we need to be a little, throw it up higher, okay? With the three of you, I think we'll survive, okay? I find myself sometimes checking out Pinterest. Not often, usually a half hour a day. And I'm not kidding. And this is what I, I search. Hold on. Let me, I got I to gotta protect my dignity here, my man card. I'm still holding on to it. I search trucks, man caves, uh, horses. I search. I, I think blacksmiths are just cool. That would be a great job. Getting kicked by horses, fun. Uh, I search uh, backyards with triangular design. I have a triangle backyard. It's kind of unique. Come on over. We'll play baseball. And, and so this is what comes up. And so I like, I see a, a wrangler and I think, wouldn't it be cool to put a canopy on that? My wife and I go up to Tahoe Park, spend the night, wait for mountain lions to come by. She doesn't know I even think about this, but I do. Uh, I think these, I think these uh, uh, Land Rovers are awesome. They're super expensive, but they're actually more expensive to maintain, so I don't ever want one anymore. I think of, oh, it'd be so fun to go to Europe and just hang out and drink espressos. I see a cool dude like this in his 50s, and I'm like, I want to be like that. When I can have a mustache and a beard, a real one, I want to I look like that. And I see horse. I'm not kidding. I see horses. I personally go to horse places. I love horses. We have some young people that ride horses in our church. I just love talking to them. Don't think I'm being weird. It's, it's, it's legit. I love horses. I've had three of them. <clears throat> I might get one someday, but they say at my age you shouldn't because uh, you die when you fall off. <laughs> I, uh, I, love, I love this kind of, this kind of rock. Yeah. You, you, you all with me? Uh, the, the, the plants, I'm not going to tell you the name of that plant because I don't want to be corrected in front of all of you. I don't know why this shows up. Honestly, I don't like this. I, this is, if you have one of those, praise Jesus. It's enough. It's enough for you. But I find myself wanting more is my point. I find myself like just kind of more. 
more. So just a half hour, I just surf. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's fun. More, right? And yet, I think there can be a real trap there. Nothing wrong with, I don't think there's anything wrong with what I'm doing, okay? I, I guard my eyes. I hide things I shouldn't see. Keep, keep my eyes uh, honorable before the Lord. But I think it's okay. I think Gene Wranglers are, I think Jesus would drive one if he lived in, in today's day. I think he'd be cool with that. He might not ride a horse, but he'd definitely have a fire pit like that in his backyard. <clears throat> here's, here's what I want to say. We've been saying it all month. Is, is this idea. When hope rises, anything's possible. And we believe this because Jesus himself said that with God, all things are possible. And what I want to show you is a passage of Scripture where the early Hebrews, the Jews, were experiencing enough at a level that I think we would do well to embrace. They were experiencing, personally, enough. Enough. And I want you to imagine you personally being able to say, I have enough. Ladies, I want you to be able to look at your husband because Father's Day's coming up. Or your fiancé, because Father's Day's coming. Get the word out. And be able to say, you are more than enough. You make more than enough. You got more than enough muscles. Everything about you is enough, right? Ladies, you are way too quiet right now. Here's what the Hebrews experienced. They've been emancipated, literally, from Egypt. 15th century BC, a little earlier. And this is what happens. They are going to build a church, a portable church. It's a sanctuary, a tabernacle. It's where they worshipped. It's where the Ark of the Covenant is that's now in a, in a warehouse somewhere. And here it is. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing, and they said to Moses, and when I get to the red, read with me, please, that the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. It's like these Hebrews are bring, being so generous that Moses is like, stop it. Stop it. We're not done counting from last weekend. Don't do anymore. Let me ask you, as it relates to enough, as it relates to having a hope, personally, in enough, what does hope look like? What does real hope look like? As it relates to your finances, as it relates to your marriage, as it relates to your profession, as it relates to your health, your own self-discipline, your own personal development, Here's, here it is. Number one, hope celebrates enough 100%. Hope, real hope, celebrates enough 100%. We're happy with what we have. We have, in this, in this part of our country, we have access to the best avocados on the planet. We've got Fahe yogurt. Is that how you pronounce that word? 
we've got, we've got pistachios. How many of you would admit your addiction? You need a group. We've got pistachios. We've got anybody like LaCroix carbonated water? Oh, LaCroix, yes, yes. How many of you love salmon? Do we have salmon lovers? Well cooked, really well cooked. We have so many blessings. How many of you just appreciate the fact that we've got well-paved roads? You've been to developing countries. We've got well-paved roads. We're so blessed here. Hey, how many of you appreciated the fact that wearing a coat or a sweater was an option today? You're like, this is great. It's late, mate. No one's raising their hand. You realize we will not have that option very soon. (laughs) Right. Hope celebrates all these little things and finds great contentment and joy in what we have today. Hope is grateful for how tall you are, Hope is grateful for how smart you are. Hope is grateful for how you are. All that. Moses talked about this kind of 100% celebration. Here it was. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. And the same principle we're going to read here in a moment is reflected by Jesus. Say it with me. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering just like Brian was talking about. And these folks did, and they had more than enough. And they were celebrating the goodness of God in everyday life. And sometimes you have to go without to see how much you have before you can have this kind of, this kind of language. These words were written to the church at Thessalonica. By the way, that is still an extant harbor. It's beautiful. It's actually, if you read international news, They've been, there's been a lot of um, politics in that area lately. But Paul wrote to that church who was being persecuted, and he was telling them, you have more than enough to celebrate 100% of life. And here it is. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice, pray continually, and give thanks. And I want to take a moment and give thanks to you, because you have been giving more than enough. Your generosity, again, this is a family conversation here. So if you're visiting, just enjoy watching what happens here. I want to celebrate what God's been doing through you and give him all the glory right now. Can I do that for a minute? Here's, here's what's happened. In the last five months, November through May, you have given, over and above your regular giving, over $300,000. In an effort to buy this building, we, want to, we get a chance to buy this building at $3 million. Right now, it, it, it's valued at over four. To build this building is $8 million without owning the property. Excuse me, with owning the property. We think we're getting a good deal. We're not smart people, but we think we're getting a good deal. Your commitments to help us put a down payment on this building are $1.1 million and, and 4000 and, and we still believe we can reach a total of, by December of 2020, of 1.5 million. How come? Because we're not relying on ourselves. We're relying on God. He's the one that provides. He's the generous one. We trust in Him. Thank you for your commitment. It's, thank you. Thanks for saying you're welcome. <laughs> it, it's, it's just, it's awesome. And it's crazy. It really is. 
And we had a dream in 2007, 8, and 9 when we raised money during the Great Recession. We had a dream of having a building that was a, that w- where we worshipped, but that was a gift to our community during the week. Do you know what happened here last week? 97 high school international baccalaureate students, that's a fancy word for saying smart students, took 558 tests here on our campus. We give our campus to NUSD school district for free. Just come use it. How come? We want this building to be a gift to our community. That was the dream, was it not? Those of you that were here back during the Great Recession, that was our dream, was it not? Our dream also included, we, we host Parkinson's support groups and Gambler's Anonymous support groups here. People just want to use our building. And we're happy to make it available at no charge. And we had a dream that is actually stated in our lease to purchase this building agreement, and that is that we would be able to host up to 20 homeless people here on our campus during a couple weeks a year. And this June, rather this July and next October, we will be hosting four families through the national program called Family Promise. That was our dream that you've made possible for you because of your generosity, and we can't thank you enough. Thank you. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're doing it. And, and if I can brag about you a little bit more, if you've seen Sacramento's been on national news for homelessness, your generosity invested over $40,000 over your regular giving to build two small trailer homes for two homeless people that are living in them off Norwood right now. Your generosity has made that possible. And we want to continue to do that. It's very exciting. And do you know what? We have several people who built those houses here in our church. And you know who's building them now? It's a very complicated thing. It, it was hard, wasn't it? Any builders in here that built those houses? Yeah, that was hard, wasn't it? Right. Guess who's building them now? The inmates at Folsom Prison. Is that not awesome? Yeah, they're building them. So any, if we can do more, we'll do more. To God be the glory for his generosity. It's all his. Everything comes from him. The ability to celebrate 100% sometimes doesn't happen until you're, you're without. And I experienced this on a very kind of immature level this year. At the beginning of the year, I was given a new pair of shoes for Christmas. I was super excited about them. They're my favorite brand. They're the ASIC. Love the ASICs. They were, they were the Nimbus 20, which is uh, uh, the latest version. And I ran in them for about three weeks. All of a sudden, my knee started hurting really bad. And I know none of you can relate because we're such a young congregation. But my knee started hurting. And I'm like, what is the problem here? And I had to stop running. I had to start going to the club and riding a bike, which I don't really like because it's boring and you have to watch the news or whatever someone has in front of you. And I couldn't run. And I thought, I'll just start swimming. I mean, I could not run. And I love running. I'll just have to start swimming. And pools are super cold. And praise Jesus, our pool was under construction for so long, I couldn't swim. And I didn't know what to do. And so I just rode a bike for about two months. And then one day, it dawned on me, you know, maybe I should try running in my old shoes. Just try it. And I went and ran in them, my old shoes. My knees didn't hurt. 
Now, my sons are, there's not a lot of compassion in my home, so my sons frankly told me all the time, Dad, your knees are fine. I went to the physical therapist and my doctor, and they said, they took an x-ray. Your knees are fine. Your meniscus is fine. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm, all, I guess, I guess I'm okay. And, and I, I went, I, I wore my old shoes, and my knees started feeling better. And I was like, I get it. I get it. I've got to go back to the old version. I've got to get that old pair. I'm talking about the Nimbus 19. I'm talking about the Nimbus 19, and I upgraded. I went, I used to have just, is it, I think it's petticoat, petticoat blue and crimson red. I used to have just petticoat. I combined it with petticoat blue and crimson red. These are important decisions because the crimson red has actually s- increased my speed. And I got to tell you, though, I'm not kidding. I made, I've made this commitment in front of my family. I told them, here's the deal. I like sports cars. I, I am quite a bit. I have fun. I also look at Auto Trader and CarMax and CarGuru and Luxury Auto. And I got problems. Here's the deal. But I got to tell you, I will take the ability to be able to run over any sports car in the future. Now, my wife's not here, so please keep that confidential. But I will take this over any sports car in the future because it's so refreshing. It's so much fun. And with the exception of this week, I've been able to run 35 miles a week in my new shoes. And I'm just thrilled. Did I say 35? I think I meant 3.5. But it has been, it has been awesome. And I'm so grateful that this is enough. Isn't it fun when you find something and you're like, if I can do this, that's enough. It's good. It's good if I can do this and drink good water with a lemon. My wife loved me. I can pet friendly dogs out on North Thomas Regional Park. That's enough, right? Can you say, can you say I got enough? Can you, can you say I got enough? I've got enough. I've got too much. See, because we have folks here that have made so much possible here because they, they celebrate 100% and they also trust God enough. They actually give. I'm not kidding. And I don't, I don't see anyone's checkbook or anyone's giving here. We have folks that give 10% of their income to adventure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Because it... It gives us so much opportunity here. But it also, and those folks that do that, they like that I'm talking about this. Do you know why? Because they don't want you to miss out on the blessings that they enjoy from their own generosity. Am I right, church? They, They like me talking about this because they don't want you to miss out on the blessings of this kind of generosity which was really modeled before some of the Old Testament law even came out. It was modeled by Abraham, the father of Christianity, the father of Judaism, who was in this incredible, challenging season of his life. He rescued his nephew Lot and all of Lot's extended family by marching north in Israel, 70 miles with 300 guys. They rescued them all. They had a huge victory. And Abraham was met by this priest who's actually connected to Jesus. And this priest came up to him and blessed Abraham. And, and Abraham learned that favor, that he didn't follow favor, but favor followed Abraham. Wherever Abraham went, God blessed him. 
And Abraham made this bold move and he, Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And so this is something, it's not a rule at adventure at all. We don't teach this. We don't think that Jesus taught this as a rule. But we think that, the, that it's based on a promise that we can test God in this with our own generosity. And when we sow at this generous level, he will, he will cause us to reap at a very generous level. And people that do this, they like that I'm talking about this because they know that you will be in for an incredible blessing. In fact, the blessing is articulated a little bit later, shortly before Jesus shows up on the scene, and, and the prophet Malachi said, And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room enough to store it. And sometimes when I read that, I think, well, gosh, Lord, I'd like to be tested on that regard. Well, I'd like to try to store all your blessings. And yet, at the same time, I think sometimes the blessings that I receive are not, they're not material, they're relational. Having friends. Don't you like having friends? Ugh. Last weekend, we had, Melissa and I experienced something. Some of you are like, no, don't like my friends. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. La- or was I? Last week, last week, Melissa and I experienced what we considered to be a heavenly, heaven opening up for us. Last week, Mother's Day. That was last week, right? Last week, we had a gal come sit next to Melissa that was so special to her. 14 years ago at Intercom High School, Melissa's first year at Intercom, there was this girl who approached Melissa and asked her about her faith, asked her, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? And uh, when a student does that, a teacher can respond. And Melissa told her, and this girl made a decision to make Jesus the leader of her life. Uh, Right there, Melissa gave her a book at her request, or referred her to a book. Anyways, this gal goes home, tells her parents about her faith, and she came from a a Sikh family. And they they actually threatened to um, uh, not pay her college. They threatened to... um, end any sort of inheritance relationship, it it became very volatile at home. And she came to church once when we were at Natomas Middle School. And she she made a commitment to Jesus at a very young age, and she was a sharp cookie. She went to ARC, then she went to Davis, then she went to Georgetown School of Law, and now she's an FBI attorney to make certain that we're handling terrorists legally. Anyway, so we're sitting here. We haven't talked to her. We, Melissa's not, she's not been in church with us for 14 years. And last week, she comes in and sits down. We're just like, geez, that's heaven. That is heaven. So our, our generosity, it's more than just God providing for us. It's like we get these relationships with people that's like, are you serious? Or how about, we've had, we have this other guy in our church. I just love this kid. Uh, his name's Dimitri. His last name's Darwiso. Hey, pronouncing it is actually easier than spelling his last name. If you know his last name, it's like never seen a word like that in my life. But <clears throat> he's been, he came on Mother's Day. And uh, whew, I mean, he, he's been raised in such a different family experience than I've had or that a lot of us have had. But to see him have faith in Jesus... <laughs> It's so special. And you'll know you'll see him. He's the toughest looking 27 something you've ever seen in your life. I'm serious. But he's got a heart. Oh, Folks, giving to the Lord Jesus. When he says he'll open the heavens, sometimes what we're really looking for are these relationships. 
And, oh, they're so beautiful. You've trusted God with your generosity. It's been amazing. I didn't share this with the first service, but I'm going to share it with you. We've seen our giving uh, exceed this year a little over 6%. It's a lot of, lot of generosity. It's going to make a lot possible for us to keep loving people from families like Dimitri and others. Thank you for your generosity. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, Billy Graham, but he said this. He said this, if a person gets his or her attitude about money straight, it will help him straighten out almost any other area of his life. Let me explain it to you this way. Um, it's most Americans are, are like this. We totally think that this is ours because of our hard work, okay? And, and so giving can be very difficult, <clears throat> But when we start to give, what happens is we're actually buying back the freedom of our heart. Okay? Because this nothing competes for us like this. But I think what Billy's saying here is that when I can put God first with my money, what it protects me from is imagining that other things that that I think are mine to look at, to covet, to compete for. It protects me from, from that kind of greed. Here, here's the deal. When I, when I put God first with my money, what happens is that I'm not tempted to say other things are mine. I'm not tempted to covet my neighbor's house and say, that should be mine. Or when someone near me gets a huge promotion, I'm not tempted to think, oh, that should be mine. Because I realize nothing's mine. It's all his. When, when my neighbor gets a new car or donkey, I'm not tempted to covet my neighbor's donkey. Even if it's a really awesome car. I have two neighbors recently that have bought really nice cars. <laughs> but guess what? I'm rejoicing for them. I am. I'm not coveting. I'm really not. I'm not. You're not. <laughs> okay? And, 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 and another thing. I don't covet my, my neighbor's Wife, either. How come? Because they're not mine. I have one. <laughs> here's, here's my point. When I get giving right, it protects my heart. It buys back the freedom of my heart of coveting all the other promotions, all the other houses, all the other blessings other people are getting. Does that make sense? Giving buys back the freedom of your heart. It helps straighten almost every other area of your life. If you're young and you're starting your career, and you're making big bucks, under $10,000 a year, I encourage you to start giving now, because here's the deal. As you get older, you're going to think, oh, it'll get easier. I make a little bit when I get up to 30000 a year. It'll get easier. Ask your parents. Hope, thirdly, hope shares enough of whatever we have. And I've seen adventurers do this, and I want to say thank you. This is what the Lord commanded from what you have. Take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of, say it with me, gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and... So this is what Jesus asks us to do. Give what you have. Give what you have. If you've got gold, give gold. If you have goat hair, give goat hair. But Jesus isn't asking people with gold to give goat hair, nor is he asking people with goat hair to give gold. 
Solomon said this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. A few weeks ago, how many of you got to be involved in this? This is when you were giving whatever you have. Your time, and we all met early at 8 o'clock. Praise Jesus, there was good coffee. And we all met, and we served Natomas. We painted fences. We served at Greenhouse. We worked with all the other Christian churches in our, in our region and served together. That may be where you start. This may be, like Brian mentioned, where you, where you start to give on a systematic, regular way, where you make the decision. It's done for you. That, that information is included in your programs. Lastly, hope leaves enough. Hope leaves enough. Let me ask you, how much, what percentage do you think you'll leave someday? Turn to your neighbor. It's a tough question. How much do you think you'll leave someday when this life is over? Go ahead, take your time on this one. Turn to your neighbor, tell him. Tell him how much you plan on leaving. If you're married, tell her 100%. (laughs) Here's... Back to this question. Why is enough so important? Paul wrote, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. You know what I think? This idea of enough and contentment is at war for your heart. And if you can start to practice saying, I've got enough, it's going to set you free. It's going to set you free from that battle that's going on in your heart. When, during David's time, the people were being super generous, David said, but who am I? And some of you probably say this sometimes as as you think about God's generosity in your life. And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you. And we've given you only what comes from your hand. You know, sometimes I think when we talk about money, we think, gosh, oh, this, this, is, this is tough. But we've got to remember, we're going to be accountable for someday of how we steward our lives. We're going to stand in front of Jesus face to face. We will be accountable for the kind of stewards we've been with everything we have. I'm trying to get you ready for that day so that you'll be, you'll be excited about your account. And you'll, like, the, like Jesus said, you'll share in your master's happiness because you've been a good steward. How many of you know the name Alfred Noble? Alfred Noble. Do you ever hear this story? When Alfred Noble was still living in the late 19th century, he saw an obituary in a French paper that described his death. Alfred Noble, inventor of dynamite, the merchant of death is finally dead. He saw that. And what the journalist got wrong was that Alfred didn't die. His brother, Ludwig, died. And it stunned him, it scared him. And he reasoned, I do not want to be remembered as the merchant of death. I want to be remembered as someone who brought peace. And that was 
And the rest of the story is that Alfred Merchant, who was described in a in erroneous obituary as the merchant of death, wanted to become a champion of peace. And if you can imagine, he left $250 million in the 19th century for the Nobel Peace Prize. He was responsible for 350 patents, if you can imagine that. What will you leave? Some of my friends are, I think, biblically, I think it's ideal for us to be saving for our children's children. Solomon teaches that. Uh, I also think, though, we don't want to just leave for our children. One of my friends is like, told me, Scott, I plan on leaving some for my kids, but not all of it. I'm going to leave some for some ministries so they can continue to, Jesus continue to use what I have for others, even after I die. So what does hope look like? That's what we've been asking. What I'm saying is hope celebrates enough, hope trusts enough, Hope shares enough. Hope leaves enough. And we've been seeing here at Adventure all year your generosity, and I want to thank you for it. We've, we've helped support David and Annalisa West, who are in, in Nepal. You can follow them on Facebook. We've helped bring uh, bags to foster children so they don't have to carry garbage bags anymore. We, we're, we've helped... Uh, with the library organization at the greenhouse, we've helped feed the homeless in the last month. Some of our small, our small groups, adventure groups, have been doing that. We help fund generously the efforts of AIM in Cambodia to fight sex trafficking. We've actually sent a couple teams there to serve there. We're doing ministry to students and children, and we even have fun like bring Snow Thomas here to Natomas and had a thousand people here on our campus. That's all because of your generosity. And I cannot thank you enough. Do you have hope? Do you have, is hope enough for you? Is hope alone enough? Do you have enough hope where you're like, it's enough? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago in the Bay Area, my friend gave people an opportunity to make Jesus Lord of their life. And in the very back of the sanctuary, a woman in her late 80s raised her hand. And after the services, he caught up with her and he asked her, I see you made Jesus the leader of your life today. What prompted your decision? And she said, when I was five years old, I saw my brother and sister, my mom and dad, placed into an oven in Germany. And for my whole life, I've been wondering how a loving God could allow the Holocaust. But now I understand And I asked my friend, Gil Stiglitz, what did you say? And this is exactly what he sent me. He said, I was prompted to say a phrase in my sermon that I remember wondering while I I was saying it. Why am I saying this? I only said it to the service she was in. He says, I was teaching on the miracle of the incarnation. God the Son came to earth to prove he loved us, is serving us, and will save us. Here was the sentence. He said God could have done everything for us he wanted. He could have ended poverty. He could have eliminated corrupt leaders. He could have stopped sex trafficking. But he chose to meet our greatest need. He paid for our sins on the cross. And he achieved victory over death. And he invited us 
to fix those other problems. He put the responsibility on the church to end sex trafficking and to end dictators and to end poverty. Jesus did what he could do. He trusted us to do the rest. And that was enough. And she put her hand up. Do you have that kind of hope? What's keeping you from that kind of hope? That kind of trust? What we're saying today is this. In a culture that always wants more, Jesus gives us the power to say, Jesus is enough. I'll take him alone. He's enough. Hope is enough. May I pray for you? Heavenly Father, would you please help us hold on to hope? Would you help us hold on to the hope bringer in Jesus? Would you help us embrace Him?